this is why I feel like I'm here on this planet is to talk about these things, to help men uncover, to talk about, to no longer hide from, shy away from, make excuses, use narrative and nomenclature that was given to us, passed down from generation to generation, generation to generation. This is how we have done it. This is our family. This is our religion. This is our belief structure. When we're the ones left with all that shit and all the pain and all the confusion and all the hurt and all the isolation and all the feeling unworthy and not enough and having to go do this nine to five narrative when if an EMP, and this is how I look at this world. This is how I look at life. If an EMP got detonated right now, who am I? If I got burnt in a fire and I'm breathing out of a straw in a wheelchair, who am I? That's who we really are. I talked to guys all the time. I had a co coaching call today and a coaching call yesterday. Yesterday with the coaching call, 20-year special forces, finally opened up about he was sexually abused, raped, uh, and satanic ritual abuse. He's starting to have flashbacks. This guy's in his 50s. He's like, what does it mean? Do I need to talk about it? What, it, what does that mean? So first of all, you got to ask two questions to yourself. Did you ask for it? Yes or no? Number two, would you do it again? Yes or no? Okay. Those are the two truths that you must hold on to. You see, men, we like to skirt the truth when the only thing that will ever make us free is the truth. And what I said in that podcast and this is not to project on everyone. We all grew up in different stories. We all have different experiences. But I do know one thing is certain amongst every human being on this planet is all of us have experienced trauma in one way, shape, or form. And what differentiates the liberated soul, the masculine, aligned, beautiful brother who can hold space and attack at any given moment. Who can rip a face off if need to, but also mend a face when need to, is the man who does not skirt the pain that we experienced as children. So let's take spanking. This is not a judgment if you're a father and you spank, it's not a judgment on you. But I'm going to ask you, if you are a child right now, again, would you want to be hit again? Or would you want to be held? Would you want to have someone sit and listen, spend time, get down on their knees, get down on their level, look you in the eyes, spend time and hold you or hit you? You see, if we wouldn't choose it again now, whatever it is, verbal, mental, emotional, psychological, spiritual, or sexual, if you would not choose it now, every moment we skirt it and don't look at it and don't answer those two questions, did I ask for it? Did I want it? And would I do it again? 
we are trapping our little boy back in that perpetual state of bracing for pain in any of those six categories. You could have had the most benevolent, loving family and you could have felt suffocated. You could have had the most nurturing, everything was given to you, but it was overcompensating to you. And you wanted to scrape a knee. You wanted to climb a tree. You wanted to go wrestle and get dirty. Guess what? That wounded that little boy. That's why it really was clear in the video coming into today that the word trauma is the Greek word for wound. It's not some big, scary, woo, you know. It's a very truthful concept. It, did I have wounds as a child? And it's one thing to look at wounds in the present moment at whatever age we are in our late 30s, mid 20s, wherever we are coming into this. It's a completely different thing to in this very now moment, the men that we are, the men that we can go close off or you can see yourselves right now in your videos and look and it's like, is this man that I see in the mirror that I see reflected back in the Zoom meeting, is this man that I see the hero of that little boy? Because if you can't be the hero of your little boy, the little boy you were as a little boy, guess who you're going to try to be the hero for? Your physical little boy now, your offspring. And what does that perpetuate? Them feeling inadequate. My dad's the greatest. He's my hero. No, son, you get to be your own hero. When we make someone feel lesser than and don't say, no, I am equal to, we are perpetuating the cycle of the next generation looking for some external force greater than, stronger than, wiser than, tougher than, richer than, something outside of ourselves to save ourselves. That's why, look, I could start a religion right now. We could we could go make gazillions of dollars right now. There's so many people looking for an external salvation. But that's not liberating any soul. My point is, if we're looking for an external source to save us, if I was looking for the 2nd Battalion, Army Rangers, and Johnny to come save me, which would be beautiful. I would actually like to see that in action without knowing that I'm the one responsible for saving myself. Then I'll always stay in that state of victimhood. So the homework going into today was what were you like before any trauma or wound was introduced into your life? Brothers, when it comes down to it, the purest form of accountability in this world is saying the pain stops with me. It stops with me. I don't care how old you can trace your family lineage. If you don't become the Gandalf of that pain, 
and say, none shall pass. You are responsible for passing it on to the next generation. And just as I started this call asking, would you have chosen it for yourself? And did you ask for it? Would you do it again? And the answer I know is no. Then if I didn't give you context of saying, would you willingly pass on the trauma that you experienced to the next generation? Everyone's saying, no, I don't, I wouldn't want that. Maybe someone would say, yeah, it made me who I am. I'm tough. That's what I was talking about. Badges of honor are actually are shackles of shame. But until we can look at every single wound and realize that that wound is either still in us and we're running from it, or it's in us and we're passing it on to make ourselves feel better. It's like a pressure valve. You guys know, like pressure is building inside you, building inside you, and you're like, whoa, you let it out. You just crank that valve a little bit, let that pressure out, whether it's yelling and blowing up or isolating or whatever it is, you let that pressure out and then you shut that valve back down. Well, guess what, brothers? You don't ever have to have the pressure. You never have to run. You never have to escape. You never have to flee. You never have to hide. You never have to worry about your boss. You never have to worry about anyone else because you're not that little boy any longer coming to hurt you. Be it physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, or sexually. And I'm very explicit in those six categories because one way or another, we've all experienced it. Some of us, multiple categories. Some of us, one or two, but we've all experienced the pain. And the, the old prophet said in Proverbs said, where there is a lack of vision, the people perish. And so this question I ask is, what were you like before any trauma was introduced to your life? And can you even recall? The beautiful thing is, brothers, even though we exist prior to trauma, our truest self, our pure essence, who we are, we all chose the trauma. And you chose what you chose from that soul level. And your children, if you're a father, I know Anthony, you are, chose what they chose. Because love, I want, to, I want to talk tad esoterically here for a second. Don't want to talk about God. I don't want to talk about the word universe or source or any of these words that we use as synonyms for God. I want to talk about love and what love literally is. Literally, it just means to give. In Hebrew, the word for love is a hava. It means to give. So when does love not give? It always gives without condition. There is no such thing as unconditional love because love is always unconditional because the very essence of love is just to give. There's also no judgment in love because love gives exactly what people ask for. 
Now, this is a hard concept, but I want you to understand why the karmic law is synonymous with love and free will, the law of free will. All of us jumped into our physical bodies through our mother's womb and entered this world. And when we were little boys, we when we were little babies, we cried until we got what we wanted. If we were hungry, fucking cried. When we were tired, we fucking cried. When we wanted to be put down or picked up, we fucking cried until we got what we wanted. We uttered our voice. We didn't use our physical strength. All our power is from the utterance of our own soul. And then what happens? <laughs> we get introduced to a power structure in the form of parent who molds our behavior to fit their liking and their pleasing. Good, bad, or indifferent, that's not the point. It's the objective understanding that we first came in uttering from our voice that which we wanted. Then we learn to mold and adapt to a power structure that wants our behavior to mold to their liking. And that could be done from an intention of love. It could be done from an intention of fear, intimidation, threat, violence, coercion. But either way, we adapt. Why? Why does love and the soul in coming here in this body and all this expression and then experiencing wounds and trauma to come back to a call like this, to listen to a guy like me talk about this very thing? because love. If love doesn't exist, then you coming out of the womb and randomly landing in the power structure that you did, it's a ha, fucking gotcha. Sucks to be you. That's not love. Because love never crosses anyone's sovereign will, ever. Because by definition, love just gives. That's what it does. So it gives everyone what they choose. So from a universal perspective, before the soul entered the body, the soul got to see what it would enter. Who would parent them? What trauma, what experiences, what lineage, what overcoming you'd have to go through to at one point awaken to this very now moment to be the hero of your own life. Some people choose fear and they get fear. The frequency of fear, they get fear. Let me, let me show you something. This radio is indifferent. This is, in, this is an indifferent, amoral device. There is no judgment in this device. The frequencies that this device can tap into exist right now, right here, in this now moment, where you guys are and where I am all across the world, the frequencies that this device, this amoral and different device can tap into are numerous and vast. But the minute I change this dial, it's going to change frequencies and it's going to change the different station that this will broadcast. 
So the law of free will is the hand that moves the dial. Love allows the law of free will and gives this amoral indifferent device apart from the intention of law of free will, whatever it tunes into. So if you are in the low frequency of fear, frustration, vibration, running away, escaping, anger, blame, everyone else's fault, it's them, it's not me, they did this to me, then you are going to tune into a, a frequency. This will broadcast in your life. And guess what? The frequency doesn't matter, doesn't care about this device. The frequency exists. It's this device that tunes into the frequency and broadcasts it out of it. That's why love is important to understand what it is. It's not a feeling. It's a law. It's not a feeling. It's a law. Must I want you to really get this ingrained in you. Love is not a feeling. Love doesn't hurt you. Love doesn't manipulate or coerce you. Love never took anything from you. Love gives you exactly what you choose. So, all of our souls chose the life that we lived. Now the question is, brothers, will we take responsibility and be intentional on where we turn the dial? You want to be in that frequency of high vibrational love, abundance, exuberance, joy, gratitude, peace, not getting triggered, can talk about anything with anyone, anywhere, at any time, and not get triggered? That's your choice of where you tune that dial. Because it exists right now, wherever you are, that frequency exists. Because it is. And we are. The only difference between that frequency here above us and here coming out of us is our decision to tune into that, to look at it, to go back to our childhood and adjust the dial. But most men are stuck in maybe AM and they want FM. They hear everyone's FM stations. It sounds so fun. And they're like, why? But they're stuck in AM. And they don't know how to get out of it. They're tuning in AM. <laughs> like they all sound crappy or it's all talk radio or sport. Who, do, who knows? You know, no judgment. I don't care. But they're trying to get to that melody, that harmony, that sound. The only way to go and change that is to go back and look at our childhood, to look at the patternings that we learn to cope and live with in order to come to this now moment, really hammering this home because this is a very important point. In order to come to this now moment for you, my brothers, to understand who you were before trauma, who you've always been, why you chose to experience trauma, so you could come back and reclaim the station that you were meant to broadcast into this life and be your hero and teach every single person that you ever come in contact with to do the same, to be the same. And no government, no philosophy of institutions, no religious narrative can make that happen. Thank God. <laughs> Because that would be looking for an external force to come save us. 
The only way this happens is to do what Mahatma Gandhi said and be that change, to intentionally choose to change. I hear a lot about revolution over the past couple of years. In fact, that's why I started the Golden Rule Revolution podcast because I saw in 2017, the violent revolution that was ratcheting up. And I thought, if you're going to be a revolutionary, be a revolutionary of love. They'll love the crap out of people. But I never hear about India's revolution. The silent and peaceful revolution that overthrew the British Empire without a single shot being fired. And you know why that narrative is not promoted in our mainstream culture and narrative? It's because it takes accountability and responsibility for every individual to be the change they want to see.